Father, I pray that you would just uh, be amongst us as we continue to dive into your word, Father. Lord, would you make yourself known to us in your word, Jesus. Lord, you make yourself known to us when we praise, Father, when we pray, when we take communion, Jesus. But will you make yourself known to us in the word? Father, I pray that uh, regardless of my words, Jesus, your words always speak, Father. Lord, and your word is, is literally our bread. Father, we need it. So, Lord, I pray that we would lean into it this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen. So, I, I'm going to start with a number of stories, but all of them are very direct. There's no allegory. There's no metaphor. It's just pure praise story. So, we're doing the power of praise part two. And the first one, and I've, I've shared it before, but I, I would be remiss, and especially young men or possibly young women would really want to lean into this, especially if you have not found that special someone. I want to talk about the power of praise and finding your significant other. The key is finding someone that is on the worship team, and then you go join the worship team if they're really good. This is how I <laughs> married Angie. She was on the worship team. Her sister was on there, and they had another friend, so I had a chance, like, there was a three, uh, there was three of them, so I had a high percentage, no, I'm just, it was only ever Angie, okay, it was only ever Angie, because uh, the others didn't like me, no, I, I'm really just kidding, but there is so much power in praise, and this morning, I, I do want to share a couple of stories about how I've been impacted by praise, on a, on a, on a much more serious note, I just, Angie's not here, so I can say whatever I want, but I remember... There was, a, there was a moment in praise when after, because my, in my family, it kind of all went south when I was about 10 years old, and we came over here, and my, my dad didn't come over here, and there was just, it was, just it, was, it, was, it was bad stuff. And I remember kind of, I internalized everything, and I didn't feel emotion for like eight or 10 years. Like, I just didn't cry, didn't feel emotion. I remember after, when we left, shortly after we left, my grandma died, and I was her favorite, and she would say I was her favorite. And I just even remember when she died, I didn't have tears. Like, it was just, there was, a, there was just this blockage that happened. And I remember it was in praise, it was in worship, that when I was on my knees one time, and I was crying out, probably closer to Hannah, when we talked about last week, not the loud praise, but just that uncontainable praise, something was coming out. I literally felt the arms of the Father come around me and just hug me, felt love of a Father for the first time in many, many years. It was in praise. I remember I, I was on the worship team, and I'd be playing guitar, and we'd be playing during the altar ministry or the response time, and, and I would be so moved. I was literally compelled I, to put down my guitar and I had to go and pray for people that were on the altar being ministered. There was something deep inside me. It was in praise that that was stirred, that that was solidified. I, I, I remember not being able to stop myself. And the worship pastor at the time, he's a very good friend of mine. He could just see. He was like, put down the guitar. Don't worry about it. You need to go and pray for these people. It was in prayer and praise. I, I, on a serious note, I sincerely believe that God did not want me to marry Angie. I had this deep deep sense that he said, I don't, I, I felt that he was saying, you're not going to marry Angie, but it, it was from a very weird sense of, in life, I'd found that not everything goes the way that it's supposed to go, and it was much more me just saying, well, a good thing is, of course, going to blow up, because that's what happens to good things, 
But it was in prayer and it was in praise when that shifted. And, and, and before I asked Angie to marry me, I had one of the most powerful times of praise and prayer that I've ever had in my life. And, and as I was praying and as I was praising and as I was worshiping, I was so surprised at the strength of the prophetic edge that came when I was starting to prophesy about my kids because I didn't believe that we were going to stay together. But it was in praise that that happened. It was praise alone in my house. I remember um, my, my, my dad, we had, when I was in university, we had a baby grand in our house. And I would write some, some songs that I'm sure were very bad, but they were just my songs. It was some of the most intimate times and some of the most powerful times when I would just weep in praise alone in the house. It was in praise that I have pushed through deep insecurities and had the Father lovingly build me up. It has been the times that I've had in praise and worship have been some of the most significant connection moments for me and my wife and me and some of my very dearest and closest friends. It has been in praising together when our hearts have just been knitted together in a way that I've not experienced in any other form, in any other capacity. We believe in praise so much, that's what we named Alexa. Her name literally is Defender of Praise. Defender of Praise to God. There is a reason that half of our service on Sunday mornings is dedicated to praise and worship. And it's not just to fill time. This morning, we're going to jump into the story of David and Saul, two men who were very complex. We're going to start in 1 Samuel 16, chapter 16, verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well, And bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. Bit of pause there. I often think, how many, this is a cool story. When it goes on to say, so when David plays, and, and the, the harmful spirit leaves Saul. So there's, there's, there's so much power in praise that evil spirits leave. And we're going to talk about that in a little while. But there's power in praise. But one of the things before we get there this morning and just looking, looking at this story specifically, the question that I have is, is why was David chosen to be, to be the person that was asked to come and play and see the demons flee? Because I think a lot of these principles in Scripture... We have to look and and embrace and see the wider context and see what's happening. Otherwise, we could misinterpret this and just say, if I sing a song, then demons should flee. And I want want to suggest to you that there there was some things that David already had in place when he came to praise that were part of the thing that released the power in praise. So it wasn't just that he's saying, you are good all the time, and then like every demon 10 miles around here just goes, whoop, and they're gone. I want to I look at this story because I think there's, some, there's just some gold in it around this. Why was David chosen? There was, t- there was power 
when David praised because David had prepared his heart. There was power when David praised because David had prepared his heart. And, and we, we rewind just a little bit because this is right after he had been anointed. And remember when he was anointed, his, his brothers were not chosen, right? His brother Eliab or Eliab or however you say his name, he was handsome, he was strong, he was tall, he was, he, he was everything. And what did God say? He said, I, I didn't choose them, even though they had a lot of the right things going on. But 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. There is power, and power and praise is released in a prepared heart. David was used of God in praise because David was prepared for praise. I, I, um, I mean, you could do such a study as to praise that was effective or worship that was effective or pleasing to God. And then in the same, in the same instance, there was praise, there was worship, there was, there was sacrifice that was not pleasing to God. Go back to the first brothers, right? Cain and Abel. What was their issue? Their issue was that one's praise and worship was accepted and the other's was not. And it wasn't actually about what was given. It wasn't the fact that Cain gave something different than Abel, but it was the condition of their heart. In that passage, do you remember? God says, Cain, if you will do well, will, will I not accept what you bring? But David's sacrifice of praise was accepted. He was chosen because of the condition of his heart. That is why he was chosen to be the vessel that God used. David himself says this in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Dennis Peacock says it like this, that the heart is the source of our motivation. Our motivations reveal our heart or the condition of our heart. There are six things in this passage and this is just the first point, and then we'll go to two more points. But there's six things within this major point that I'm going to talk about. These, these six things David already had on lockdown before he was chosen to play for Saul. And this is not saying you have to do this. There's no prerequisites to come and praise God. But we're talking about looking at the specific anointing that was in David's life of releasing power to see demons flee. And not just demons, but overcoming battles. You will not overcome battles that you are not prepared for. You will not break through for something that you have not prepared for. Can God do it? Absolutely. But there's, there's a thing that Bill Johnson continually stressed this weekend. That God is always testing us to see how much, how much of the measure of the glory of God we can handle. How, I don't know about you, but I want, to, I want to do the hard yards to be able to accept as much of the weight of the glory of God that I can possibly handle. Amen? It's not the hard yards that I, I want to I be as weighed down as I possibly can because what he says is if he gives you too much before you're able to take it, you'll just be crushed under the weight of who he is and he prepares us. There is power in praise. And there are six things that David had already prepared for that he was already moving in, the reason why he was chosen to play for Saul. The first is this. He was skillful in playing. He was skillful in playing. 
All of the biblical commentaries, they stress that David was already as skilled as a musician. He was skilled as a worshiper. He had crafted his skill and his many hours watching the sheep alone. Now, every, you're all saying, like, I'm not on the worship team, Jesse. I'm, I'm not going to practice guitar. You know, like, I don't know what you're saying. But there's a principle here that is so powerful that what happens in private, what happens in your personal time is what is released and revealed in the public sector. This is a principle that you cannot deny. If you are not worshiping as part of who you are, you will not see the kind of breakthrough praise that David was released to. This issued out of his heart. He was already in that personal space of worship. He was chosen because he worshiped as part of his life. The more you praise him, the more you know him. The more you know him, the more authority you carry. To be used mightily of God, we simply need to, and I love this, it's, it's profound. Spend more time with him. Spend more time honing the things he's asked us to do, like praising his name. The more you do it, the more you'll be able to release what he has. The second thing, he was a man of valor. And if you look at the, the definition of this word specifically in the text, it, it mostly denotes strength. It mostly denotes power or force. David was chosen because he was strong. He was up for any challenge. He had, he had already overcome many things before. There was a certain amount of strength that he carried to the table in praise. He wasn't coming to the, to the altar of praise to, to push through when, when he's playing for Saul. He already had a sense of his identity and his strength. This was not the first time he tested his strength. And I think for us in worship, again, it goes back to the last point. If this is our only time of seeing if God is going to break through, it's likely he will not break through now because he's looking for us to push into him. He's looking for us to press into him. He's looking for us to build some muscles, some praise muscles, some reading your word muscles. Ah, it's a bit too tricky for me. It's tricky because you haven't pushed past that pain zone. He's looking for you to build some strength before you come. If you want to see people set free, praise is one of those tools that will do it, including you getting set free. But you're going to have to work those praise muscles. You're going to have to work those prayer muscles. He was a man of valor, a man of strength. How does one become strong? One tests and builds his strength against other strong things. When you have challenges, are you rising to the occasion or are you shrinking back and letting someone else stand in the gap? When there's something that happens in your life, are you praising through that or are you just kind of waiting to see what God is going to do? The Bible instructs us that David was sent to see this harmful spirit flee. How many of you want to carry that kind of anointing in your life? I desperately do. I desperately want to know the Father so much that when I come around, there's things that flee when I'm praising him. This is not nice spiritual concepts. This is truth. That who he is, the demons can't stand in his presence. And I'm jumping ahead because I love that part. Number three, he was a man of war. David had not only proved himself strong in life, but also in battle. He had fought and he had won and he had probably lost at times. 
There is only things that you can gain on the battlefield. There's only things that you can gain through the experience of doing something. This is not something you can read in a book, and this is not something you can catch even listening to me. This is something that you have to test out for yourself. You have to go through battle. I find it interesting that David was not chosen as someone that was a novice. He was chosen as someone that had already gone through battle. That is so important. I'm going to share a story with you. This is a true story. And I'm going to leave the person's name nameless because they may eventually find this recording. And I just don't want to um, put them in an uncompromising position. But I have, there's, my brother was there and there's somebody else there that can tell you that what happened. Now, there was, there was a lot of conflict between this person and myself and my family. And it was some very, very deep conflict. And I remember this person got very, very angry with me, stood up and was approaching me to, um, to uh, I don't know what they were going to do, but they were, they were not whispering kind somethings into my ear. And I remember as I, as, and I had, I had operated in a lot of fear in my life in the past. I was afraid of like my neighbor's shadow, you know, like it was just that, that was my MO. I was, I, my mom, I remember this is a story she thinks is the funniest thing ever. We were walking in Masterton one time and I was in middle school and like all of a sudden, like I was nowhere to be found just because there were some kids at my school on the other side of the road and I just thought maybe if they see me, they're going to run over and beat me up. Like it was just this thing and I like disappeared. But this was the first time that I ever stood up to someone and this person was, was bigger than I was and they were uglier than I was. And, and I remember standing up, and, and, and I had actually run away from this person before. And I'm telling you, this conflict was pretty serious. It should be on a TV show or something. And I, I'm, I'm not even kidding when I tell you that when I stood up, and he, and it was a he, came closer. And when he got about right here, he flew back. He, he literally flew back. And he, and he, he landed on the couch. And he, he, he yelled at me. He said, why did you touch me? And, and me and my brother and this other person that was there, we looked around and we're like, nobody touched you. It was one of the most powerful experiences of my life that broke fear off of my life from that point on. I got way too, um, <laughs> way too brave after that. I put myself in situations I probably shouldn't have after that. But I, I'm learning now wisdom. I'm like, oh, I'm going to sort this out. There is power in who Jesus is. But, you know, one of the reasons why I can carry a sense of of that power and a sense of that authority is because I've seen and I've been in the battle and I've run, but then I've also stood. And I've seen what happens when you stand and I've seen the results and the power and not just the power, but the supernatural power of God. And he is faithful. But David was a man of, of war. You learn in war where true power lies. Many of us are afraid, <laughs> and I wish I could tell you a story. I would have you laughing. I, I just won't because it's, it's just so funny. One of the times when I ran from this person, I mean, it was like serious running. Like, yeah, I just, I, I want to give you the sense that too many of us sometimes are still running and we haven't actually stood firm to see if what happens when we get into that battle. It's too scary to know what's going to happen. What if, we, what, if, what if we face up to the addiction? What if we just square up before it? What if we actually go to that place where we've had conflict with that person? 
I, was in, I wasn't going to share this story, but I'm going to share this story. I was in praise this weekend. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, he reminded me of something that happened over eight years ago. He said, you need to, you need to text this person and say sorry. And he reminded me of, of a family member that I'd said something. He said, you need to text this person. Praise has to have, there's, there's release, there's change that happens. Fourth, he was prudent in speech. He was prudent in speech. This word prudent literally means discerning or understanding with words. David understood the power of his words. You know, I think it may have been David that taught his son Solomon. And it was Solomon that said it, that life and death are what? Are in the power of the tongue. I believe David probably taught his son Solomon some things of that nature. He should have taught him some other things as well. He was connected. David was connected to the fact that our God created through his voice. He created the world through his voice. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You declare what is in your heart. When you praise, and this is so important, you have to understand what you're saying. You have to discern what you're saying, what you're prophesying, what you're declaring. If you don't really believe what you're saying doesn't have power, what you're praising doesn't actually have strength, it's probably not going to have too much strength. We need to discern what is the right thing to speak over a situation. When we're, when we're singing today, Lord, you are good, you can sing it by saying you are good, or you can sing it, say it by singing you are good. You, you truly are good in the face of, of my abuse, in the face of, of things that I can't explain. You are still good because it's trusting the heart of God that he actually is good. Or you can sing you are good or you can choose not to sing you are good. You can do all of the above. But if you don't understand, if you don't discern what you're actually saying, there will not be power and praise. But what does it say that David was prudent in speech? He was discerning and he was understanding of words, of speech. The fifth thing that David was, he was a man of good presence. I love this. And literally, if you look at what the definition means, it was his form or his countenance was handsome, was beautiful. How many beautiful people this morning do we have? All beautiful. What, what does this actually mean? D- David was not downcast. David was not filled with bitterness. David was not filled with pessimism. David was not filled with negativity. What was David filled with? He was filled with confidence, with humility, with love, with joy, with peace. When we come before the Lord and you're filled with like, oh yeah, right, that person just did that and and this is what it is and I don't like this. and I don't. Do you you think there will be power in praise with someone that is not of good presence? Is that not challenging to you? And I'm not saying that we can't bring our problems to God because, my goodness, we need to. Sometimes I come to God and you would not want to hear what I think of those things. I'm like, God, you need to sort this out. But in praise, if you want to see power released in praise, you need to come with good presence. And how many of you know that looks like preparing yourself before you come in praise? There will, not be, there will always be power released in praise because when you lift up the name of God, he's glorified. But we're talking about assignments and increasing and growing and a greater measure of that glory that we can carry. A greater measure of the anointing of seeing people set free. He was a man of good presence. God is able to use those that are ready. It is far trickier to use someone bound up in a negative countenance because you minister out of the spirit you are carrying. You minister out of the spirit you are carrying. 
A really quick story just of that as another story shared this, this weekend. Sean Boltz was talking about somebody that was really upset. He was specifically upset at California, and he didn't want him to, Sean Boltz to go and plant a church there because it was going to fall into the ocean and God's judgment was going to rain down. But he started digging into why was, why was he, and this was a very well-respected and well-known prophet, and he started digging into why are you so, why, why do you keep prophesying death and destruction and don't do this over this place? And as he asked a couple of probing questions and a word or two from God, it was discovered that there were some people that had offended him in California 15 years prior or seven years prior, and he had allowed the spirit that he was ministering to be affected by the spirit that he was carrying. The spirit that you are in is the spirit that you will minister. And if you're questioning, why have I not found breakthrough, just check the spirit that you're ministering with. And go back to that, that Dennis Peacock quote is so good. That the motivation comes from the heart that reveals a place of our heart. Look at what your motives are. Look at what is your heart, what is it looking for. Sixth thing, and the Lord is with him. This is the most important reason, very obviously, that David had power in his praise is that the Lord was with him. And, and I think this is not just for like the, the Sean Boltzes and the Bill Johnsons and the Bruce Billingtons and the Dennis Peacocks and whoever else that you may think is walking in it. If you've invited the Lord into your heart, this is also with you. The Lord is also with you. But look what was said of David by the prophet Samuel. The Lord had sought out a man after his own heart. The degree to which you have the heart of God is the degree to which he is able to use you. I like that what Paul says this of David. Paul, Paul the apostle, is in Acts, and he's talking about David. It's in Acts 13, 22, and he says, And when God had removed him, God raised, removed him being Saul, God raised up David to be their king of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. And look at this, who will do all my will? Who will do all my will? And I've already mentioned it, but Bill Johnson says this, I'll read it again. God is always testing us to see the measure of the weight of glory we can handle. The expectation and the preparation that you have, particularly of your heart, is the key to unlocking power in praise. The expectation and the preparation that you've done in your heart is the key to releasing power in praise. I'm going to move on to the next section. 1 Samuel 16, it continues in verse 19. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David your son who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat. I, well, I wouldn't want to eat a goat. And sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, Let David remain in my service for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well. Saul was refreshed and was well. And the harmful spirit departed from him. This is the part I've been wanting to get to. It's so powerful. This is my favorite truth of this morning. And this is the second point. We are made well in his presence. We are made well in his presence. When Angie and I were talking about this, 
we're just talking about this passage of scripture, and I was just asking her because she's such a heart for worship, and it's one of the reasons that really I was so impacted by her, her heart for praise. I was so impacted by her for, heart for worship, and I was just asking her, tell me, why do you like to praise and worship so much? And this is what she said, and I wrote it down. She said, it's one of the quickest ways to gain access to the presence of God. I thought that was beautiful. Because you can gain access in other ways, but it is. Praise is one of the quickest access points to the very Spirit of God. Praise refreshes you and makes you well because in His presence there is fullness of joy. I love it the way that the NIV says this. It says, relief would come and Saul would feel better. Literally, this, this, these words, was well, literally means to become better, to prosper, good, refreshed, to feel relief. And I love this definition of refreshed, wide and spacious. In the presence of God, you get better than you were when you entered. You prosper You are made well. You feel relief. Your soul finds a space that is wide open and spacious. And I love the the fact that David was brought directly from the sheep to go and minister in the palace. That someone from the fields had someone that had all of the wealth and all of the resources and all the guidance. This is not about knowing all of the knowledge. This is not about having more than someone else or being more entitled. This is about the very spirit of God and the access that even a shepherd boy in the fields can have. That it is well with our souls. And it is not well because of our circumstances. How many of you say amen to that? It is well because in his presence we are made well. In his presence, we are refreshed, we are renewed, we are, we are filled with relief in that wide, open, spacious place. The, I love this. The enemy cannot stand for long in the presence of God. You know, there's a reason why he can't stand for long there. What, what was the very reason the enemy got kicked out of heaven for? He was the chief worshiper. He was the chief praise leader. I bet that boy could hit some harmony. But what happens? He wanted to become the object that was praised. He was no longer content praising. He was no longer content submitting himself to someone else that was greater than he. He wanted to be the object that got that worship. So the thing that the enemy cannot stand the most is when you worship him. Because that's the very thing that he wanted the most for himself. You want to know why the enemy flees in worship? Because he can't stand to be where God is exalted. What was the thing? And when Jesus was in the wilderness and, they were, and he was tempting Jesus and he built it up to the grand finale, the last thing, what was the thing that he wanted? He was willing to give everything that he thought he had to Jesus if Jesus would do one thing, to worship him, to praise him. The enemy cannot stand in worship to God because it is the thing that he hates most. But we are made well and we are refreshed when we praise him. I'm just going to, the last point, and I promise I'm going to close soon, but I think this is, it's just so good. 
There's a story that I was not familiar with, and you, and you that read your Bible um, yearly on a yearly basis are, are probably, you know this story or you know it well, but I was so impacted by it. David goes on to defeat Goliath, and then he goes back into the service of Saul, and he's still playing for him, and you all remember Saul keeps trying to kill him and throws the spear, and the spear gets lodged into the, the wall, and David escapes. And I want to tell you where David escaped to after one of these, one of these, um, these rages that Saul went into. Now David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and lived at Naoth. And it was told Saul, behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing his head over them, the spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers and they also prophesied. And Saul sent messengers again the third time and they also prophesied. Then he himself went to Ramah and came to the great well that is in Seku. And he asked, where are Samuel and David? And one said, behold, they are at Naoth in Ramah. And he went there to Naoth in Ramah. And the Spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, he prophesied until he came to Naoth in Ramah. And he too stripped off his clothes. And he too prophesied before Samuel and lay naked all that day and all that night. Thus it is said, is Saul also among the prophets? I want the anointing, but not that much. Just, I'll just minus the naked part. There, there, is a, there is a place that I'm sure many of you have. But the place for me where I can go and I cannot be disturbed by anyone is the shower. When I go into the shower, my brain literally turns off. And if I forget to lock the door, I'll usually have little human beings walking in and out, brushing teeth and things. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you have to bear. But nothing can get me when I'm in the shower. I mean, I suppose it could, but it's going to get wet alongside with me, right? And I'm going to not, it's, don't come into the shower. But, but look at this truth. David flees. And I, I just want to look at, there's, there's two, the, the place where David went is so significant. So Naoth and Ramah. Naoth and Ramah, it keeps saying that. What do those words mean? Where was this place that David went? Naoth literally means the abode of prophets. The place where the prophets live. Or it, it also means shepherd's camp. And, and Ramah means height. It means height. Or in other words, you could look at it like this. What is a prophet's abode? A prophet is somebody that declares who who God is. That's the core of what prophecy is. It's declaring the heart and the nature of who God is. A shepherd's camp, the, the place where the shepherd resides, the place where the shepherd takes care of his sheep, the place where the shepherd tends his flock. So David found himself in a place resting in a place of declaring who God is. The biblical text, the scholars all agree that in the use of this word prophesying, it it didn't just mean prophesying towards the future, it meant declaring who God is, and it specifically says that David was praising God in this circumstance. David went to a place declaring who God is, 
in, at the feet of the Father, the good shepherd who's caring for him, who's loving him in praise. And it took him to a place, Rama means height. It took him to a place that was elevated above the, the things of this world so that no matter what came for him in that place, it was, it was disempowered and it could not affect him when he was in the place of praise. Saul sent messengers after messengers after messengers until he himself went to harm David. And what ended up happening is they were subjected to the authority and the power of who Jesus was as they came close. What does that mean? When you go to a place of praise, you're protected even from yourself. Have you heard, you, you can't, have you heard the phrase that you can't, you can't learn while you're talking? It's the same thing that while you're praising while you're praising, you can't complain. While you're praising, you can't sin. While you're praising, you're lifting up the name of Jesus and nothing else can get there. The last point is that you are protected in His presence. When you praise, when you're in Naoth and Rama, when you're declaring who God is, when you're in the shepherd's camp, the good father, He takes you to a place that's elevated where no matter what comes for you, there's nothing that can get you in His presence. There is power in praise. There is power in His presence. I love what this, the biblical scholars say. They go on to say specifically about Saul that the Lord turned his hostility into prophetic praise. The Lord turned his hostility into prophetic praise. When you are in a place of declaring who God is, being cared for by the shepherd, you will begin to step into an anointing for the things that are in you and the things that are around you that began with hostility begin to turn back into prophetic praise of who God is. I love specifically the definition of what it says. It says that Saul and his messengers began to admonish and rebuke one another. So not only, not only did they begin to prophesy and to praise God, they began to say, Saul, cut it out. I can imagine Saul saying, Saul, you've got a bad spirit here. Saul, you need to cut it out. That's some of what he was prophesying. In praise, what the enemy has sent against you will begin to turn against itself. There is such a powerful principle. It is not just coming and singing a couple of songs. This is prophetically declaring. This is turning hostility into prophetic praise. This is demons fleeing when you worship the Almighty God. But you have to have a prepared heart. You have to have expectancy. You have to have gone the distance. You have to have stood against some battles and seen that God is a powerful God. There's an anointing that he wants to release. And this is not for any super spiritual person. This is just for those that would seek his face, that would seek his heart. There is power in praise. I would love to just give you a very quick, I, I don't know what time it is and it's probably too late, but can we just enter into a time of praise It won't be long and just see if you can come to Naoth and Rama, a place that's higher than those things around you where the Spirit of the Lord is. So I'll turn it over to the team and then Bruce will come up at the end of that and pray and we'll just, we'll get out of here with a couple of great notices, I'm sure. But do you wanna just take this time and give it over to God. This is a time between you and him. This, nobody else has anything to do with this. Go to, go to your place of Naoth and Ramah.